If Jesus is the one, then why are things such a mess? I preached this sermon on December 15th, 2019 at St. James Anglican Church in Smith Station, Alabama. And the text for the morning was the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 2. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is going to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And they went away, and Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Are you the one to come or shall we look for another? Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? This is perhaps the most disheartening sentence in the whole of the Bible. Because it comes from a man who epitomizes hope. John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, the front man, if you will. He was, Jesus said, the one of whom Malachi prophesied, Behold, I am sending my messenger before your face, and he will prepare the way for you. And so this sentence is disheartening on several levels. First, think about Jesus. Here's the man who baptized him, who had announced and introduced him, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who had laid the groundwork for Jesus' ministry, and now this man was doubting him? When your PR man starts doubting you, it's not really a resounding vote of confidence. How good can this be that John doubts him? But secondly, think about John himself. He knew in his heart that the time was ripe for the coming of Messiah. 
He had spent years out in the wilderness preaching and prophesying and calling people to get ready because the Messiah and the kingdom of the Messiah is at hand. It's close enough. You can touch it. It's just around the corner. And then when he sees Jesus, he believes with everything within him that this man is the one I've been prophesying and looking for. And he baptizes Jesus. And John sees a dove, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descending on Jesus. And John hears that voice out of heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And now John's arrested. And he's in jail by the hand of Rome's puppet king, Herod. But wait a minute, I'm, I'm in jail, I'm, I, things are not going right, but wait just a minute, because surely this is going to change any moment now. I mean, surely the Messiah is going to do everything we expect the Messiah to do. And he's going to announce himself as the anointed one. And he's going to rally the people to himself. And he's going to rise up and throw off the shackles of Rome and the oppression of Herod and finally deliver God's people from their bondage. But a year, a year had passed with John sitting in that dungeon. A year had passed and no deliverance had come. And he was waiting. And he was waiting. And he began to ask himself, did I get it wrong? Is he really the one? Did I miss something here? And so John sent messengers to Jesus saying, Are you the one to come? Or should we look for another? Why did John's faith waver? Why did he doubt? Before I answer that question, let me ask you, have you ever had your faith waver? Have you ever doubted? Have you ever questioned whether God was actually up to something in your life or was it all just a big mistake? I bet if you can say, yes, I have doubted, yes, I have struggled, I bet that your struggles with doubt stem from the same place as John's struggles with doubt. And here it is. Things aren't turning out the way I expected them to turn out. For John, Jesus isn't doing anything that a Messiah ought to do. He's not even doing anything like me. I'm an ascetic. I fast. I go without food. I eat locusts. I, I walk around in camel-covered skins. It's, it's miserable. My life is miserable, and I'm doing it for the glory of God. I'm strict. 
I'm preaching a strong and a hard message. And here comes Jesus, the one I'm supposed to be preparing the way for. And I'm calling people to toe the line and straighten up their lives. And Jesus is out there offering the kingdom of God willy-nilly to anybody and everyone who will. He's eating with sinners. He's hanging out with prostitutes. He's talking to criminals. I've been spending all my time teaching people to change their behavior, and he's been spending his time just forgiving them. I'm telling people straighten up and fly right, and he's offering the kingdom of God to sinners. Not what I expected. Are you the one, or should we look for another? How about you? and me. We have our own ideas of how things ought to be. And in fact, oftentimes our ideas are based on our understanding of Scripture. How things are supposed to go. How God is supposed to work in our lives or in our church. This is how church should be. This is how my job should be. My finances should be. I've done everything according to the book, and yet things aren't happening the way they ought to be. This is how my marriage should be. My family should look like this. Things aren't turning out the way we expected. God didn't work in our lives the way we thought he would. And so we start to question things. Usually we don't go as far as John. Usually we don't question, is, is this the one? I mean, we kind of have trust that Jesus is the one. But we question, is God really at work here? Is he really working in my life in the midst of this mess? Is he working his plan? Is anything happening? Is everything going to be okay? Well, here's God's answer. Jesus sends back an answer to John in prison. His messengers say, are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus sends this answer back. Go and tell John what you have seen, what you hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. Jesus didn't come to be served, he came to serve. He didn't come to ride in on a, on a, on a white stallion and, and beat the enemy, he came to transform the enemy by the power of love. He didn't come in pomp and in power. He came to empower others by the power of his spirit. He came to bring life. In other words, John, things may not be unfolding exactly the way you expected, but Things are unfolding exactly the way they were prophesied. And then Jesus adds this line. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. 
How could you be offended by Jesus? Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That word offended in Greek is a fascinating word. It's skandalion. And what it literally means is the trigger on a trap. If you've ever set a mouse trap or a bear trap, the, the trigger on that trap that you pull it back and you lay a little trigger down and it holds the mechanism in place. And when that trigger is sprung, that is the Greek word skandalion. And what it means is to be tripped up. Let me rephrase what Jesus said. Blessed are those who are not tripped up by me. Blessed is the one who doesn't stumble, who doesn't trip, who doesn't get offended. Blessed is the one who, when things aren't going the way you think they ought to be going, you trust in him anyway. And so there's an interesting twist to the story as I conclude. John sent a question of doubt. Are you the one? Jesus' response is only assurance about John himself. And he turns to the crowd and he says these three things about John. He's the real deal. He's a prophet. Don't, don't you go judging him because he's having a moment of doubt, a moment of struggle. He is the antithesis to that cushy, comfy, soft guy sitting in the mansion. He says this phrase. I think this may be the most interesting part of the text. He says, what did you come out to see? A reed shaken in the wind? Did you know that Herod had a thing for reeds? In fact, he built his palace surrounded by reeds. And when he had his coin minted with his face on it, the backside was reeds. And so Herod is a reed man. And Jesus is casting a glance toward, what did you come out to see? A reed shaken in the wind? Did you come out to see a man in soft raiment, in comfy clothes? And then he says, because a man in comfy clothes lives in a king's palace. Now, you didn't come out to see that old fox, Herod. Who's out here in the desert is the real deal. He's a prophet of God. He's solid, even though he seems to be wavering. And then the second thing he says is he's more than a prophet. He's a forerunner. He's the one who's called to prepare the way. And then the third thing he says is he's the greatest. Muhammad Ali calls himself the greatest. John the Baptist was called the greatest by Jesus. He said no one is greater, not Abraham, not Moses, not David, not the prophets. He said there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Jesus believed in John even when John was struggling to believe in Jesus. It reminds me of the words of St. Paul in 2 Timothy. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I'd like to conclude by 
reading you a line from the epistle of James, chapter 5, where he instructs the reader, be patient. Things aren't going the way you think they ought to be going. You, you find yourself in prison when you thought everything was going to be different. You're struggling with bonds when you thought you would be free. Be patient, therefore, until the coming of the Lord. Until the Lord shows up. Until He is present. Until He accomplishes what He said He would accomplish. And then He gives the example of the farmer. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it. You also be patient and establish your heart. When things aren't happening according to your time schedule, hang in there. When things aren't unfolding the way you thought they would, hang in there. When doubt assails you, hang in there. And remind yourself, you go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. Remind yourself what you have heard and what you have seen. Remember that God is at work. Trust in Him and remember this lesson from John the Baptist. That even when you struggle to believe that Jesus is at work in you, be at peace that Jesus believes in you. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. And that, my friends, is good news. Amen.